China has a quarter of the world's Alzheimer's patients. With the country's gray population growing rapidly, the number of patients will likely increase fourfold by 2050. Meet the patients, their families and caregivers, and discover the anxiety, struggle and misconceptions behind one of the biggest problems of an aging society in our documentary, Aging in China, Living with Alzheimer's, on CGTN Radio. For podcast listeners, search The Top Story and find the program on all popular podcast apps on September the 21st, the 30th World Alzheimer's Day. A platform for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision makers. This is BizTalk. Step into the extraordinary world of cities, where the future of global services takes center stage. The service industry is, is a key front to, to expand and grow the connections between our two countries. Serving as a bridge between British and Chinese businesses, CBBC charts a course for brighter cross-border trade and investment. We saw an increase in the UK exports to China. From soaring trade volumes to financial partnerships, witness the remarkable journey of cooperation between these two economic giants. We've also got connections um, like the London-Shanghai Stock Connect. Finance occupies a unique position in the China-UK cooperation landscape. This harmonious synergy transcends borders, opening up endless opportunities. So I think there's a very sort of unique relationship between the UK and China on the financial services side of things. Join us and witness a future where collaboration knows no boundaries in the cities, redefining the future of global services only on BizTalk, only on CGTN. Hello, welcome to this very special edition of BizTalk. On CGTN, I'm your host Zheng Junfeng. CIFTIS, one of uh, China's biggest uh, expo in trading services, and also uh, probably the biggest trading services expo in the world. And this year, the guest of honor country is Great Britain. That's why in the studio we have a very special guest from China Britain Business Council or CBBC China President Tom Simpson. Thank you for joining us, Tom. A pleasure to be here. Tell us about the grand opening of the British uh, uh, Pavilion. Excellent. Well, we have a delegation of 60 British companies who are represented at CIFTIS. And we had the, the opening joined by Minister uh, Lord Johnson, the Minister for Investment, who's come over from the UK, especially for, for CIFTIS. Um, and we had a, an excellent program of events and activity to sort of kickstart the UK presence at CIFTIS. Mm. So I know that CBBC has been present for quite a number of years. How many years? Uh, so next year will be our 70th year. So 70th? 70th year, yeah. Okay, so from so 1954, okay. which is when the first uh, trade delegation from the UK came to, came to China, came to the PRC to engage on trade and investment uh, between our two countries. Thanks for the introduction. Mm. So how, um, as the China president of CPBC, mm. view CIFTIS as a platform for China-UK cooperation? CIFTIS for CBBC has always been a very important platform for us because the UK, let's remember the UK is 80% services, trade and services 80%. economy. Mm. So our pro productivity as an economy comes from services. Mm -hmm. And the UK is also the second largest exporter of services in the world. So for us, our exports and services to a market like China are, are critical, are very important. And yet at the moment, 
our, our exports and services to China only constitute 27% of our total exports to China. So we you see that number. only, so there's a potential. Only. Huh? We see that that should be much higher. So for other markets around the world, services are usually higher than goods for the UK. But in for China, goods are higher than services. So we want to bring that number up. So we see um, the service industry as, as a key front to, to expand and grow the connections between our two countries and SIFTIS being the ideal platform for us to, to promote new ways of working together. Okay, so let us know what kind of uh, companies, British companies, prominent companies are present here at SIFTIS. What kind of industries are they involved in? Absolutely. So I'm pleased to say a very wide range of industries. So first of all, probably most prominently, you have the financial services industries. So you have banking, insurance, asset management, green finance, all these areas very much represented in our delegation and in our program over the course of SIFTIS. But also areas like creative industries, where the UK is a leading producer of television, of film, um, of games, of publishing, of all these different areas. And we have, again, a delegation from this sector represented here in Beijing over the, over the course of SIFTIS. Um, and also sports, where we have representatives from snooker, from football. In fact, we had the Premier League trophy um, and the FA Cup yeah. on our stands I uh, saw this today. morning. So many people are taking photos. I, our our represent representatives from Manchester City Football Group are very proud to show off their, uh, their trophies, which uh, yeah. will be doing a tour of China as well while, whilst they're here. So the UK really has a lot to talk about when it comes to our service industry. Um, and we're very pleased to be here and, and this, you know, and involved in CIFTIS in such a way that we are this year. Then on the other side, what is so special about CIFTIS that uh, it's attracting the British companies to attend? Well, CIFTIS, the way I see it, you know, you have CIE in Shanghai, which is the goods import fair. So a lot of our companies get involved in that fair when it comes to exporting goods to China. CIE is so successful now. And yeah. very successful. Yeah. And whereas, so, so for trade and service, export and services, CIFTIS is, is the platform. And we work a lot with the Beijing government um, in general, but also especially around CIFTIS and also with MOFCOM. And so together we, we see it as, a, as an ideal opportunity to promote excellence in, in UK services. Um, and off the back of um, our presence here, there will be, uh, in fact, today there were a number of signing ceremonies. Um, so, so deals that were signed in the education sector, in the TV sector. So. Um, a wide range of, of different areas and also actually in, in healthcare as well. Okay, I, I guess the previous three years had interrupted um, the services sector coordination between China and UK because services involve people-to-people mm. -people communication, mm. direct cooperation. Mm. So have you seen a trend of recovery in the services cooperation so far this year? Yeah, it's a very good point. And I think um, the service industry certainly was, was impacted more heavily than, than goods. And in fact, on a good side, we saw an increase in the UK exports to China. Um, so that's been quite healthy. On the services side, more impacted. But as soon as um, UK companies had the ability to travel back into China, we've seen a sort of a wave of, of, of visits, um, mostly from UK senior representatives from UK multinationals that are already here or who are already investing here, have already got um, established operations here. But I think what SIFTIS marks is the kind of beginning of that, that next phase, I think, where it's more about companies who perhaps in the last few years weren't able to do business here, who are now saying, we need to get back out to China. We need to be engaging with our partners, engaging with potential um, on potential new projects. And so that's why we've seen this group of 60 UK companies taking part in this delegation um, this week. Okay, so it's undergoing some recovery. Exactly. Notable recovery. Right. Uh, you've been in China for quite a while. Your understanding of China's recovery so far this year, because there were so many uh, reports are moderate, mm. 
uh, recovery and consumption, some real estate problems. Mm. Uh, what about your personal uh, perspective? Well, I feel it's, it's important to put it into con context. Um, at the end of the day, um, if China grows at 5%, that's still a that's very a high number. That's the government, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think that target, you know, so far appears like a realistic, achievable target. Um, and if China grows at 5%, that'll be around about one third of global growth from one market. So that's the context that I think everyone needs to, to, to keep in mind. Of course, there are challenges and there are certain industries at the moment, real estate being one of those, where there are, are very serious problems and, and that presents challenges, obviously, for China's own private sector, state sector, but also for, for British companies who have been working with that sector for many years. Um, but in other areas that are perhaps less directly affected by that, we continue to see uh, UK multinationals who are doing quite healthy levels of growth in country. Perhaps not the levels of growth that they were perhaps expecting in January this year when things started reopening and there was lots of, lots of optimism and excitement about the way um, the sort of recovery might, might perform. Um, but certainly um, a lot of our members, in fact the majority of our members that we speak to are still seeing their revenues growing. for an in-depth look in economic matters with leaders and decision-makers. This is BizTalk. Then let's talk about the bigger picture, the UK economy, because here in China and probably other parts of the world are confused sometimes of the status quo of the UK economy. Sometimes we get good numbers, sometimes we don't. Uh, there were also reports of the cost of living crisis, mm. uh, but some you know PMI numbers or the the, the, the sentiment in the market remains strong. So mm. tell us about the status now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it, it's no um, you know the UK has been through a lot of challenges in, in recent years with with the COVID and the impact from COVID on, on the economy, and then the um, the issues around you know energy prices and cost of living and so forth. Um, but I think what we're seeing in the UK economy are, are, are bright spots. So parts of the economy that, that continue to do very well. And, and many of those, those, those bits of the economy are represented here as part of Siftus. And I mentioned on the sort of the media side and the creative industry side, which is really one of you know, the UK's sort of jewels in terms of UK exports, in terms of the, the excellence, in terms of production standards and qualities. You know, many of the world's um, most sort of uh, famous and most identifiable films that, that, that appear as a Hollywood film were actually made in the UK and yeah. then exported uh, globally. Yeah. Um, All the so actors were trying to imitate uh, British accents. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Or, or British actors with American accents. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are a lot of bright spots for, for the UK economy despite everything that, that has been going on in recent years. Um, and I hope, you know, working with a, with a country like China presents new opportunities and new ways for, for UK companies to be growing their exports and growing their activity um, with, with the rest of the world. And, you know, I think the UK's future is very much in trading with, uh, trading globally and trading with countries like, like China. And uh, my next question would be on the financial sector. Earlier mm -hmm. I talked to a uh, uh, British embassy uh, councillor and he said finance is at the heart mm. of the UK's uh, industries. Uh, why so, and what kind of opportunities does it present to China-UK cooperation? Well, the UK has a, a, a very long history of, of global finance, and um, and our, we have our banks, 
HSBC, Standard Chartered, Barclays, who sort of sit at the heart of, of, our, of our financial services industry alongside some of the world's um, great insurance firms, asset management firms. And I think you know, the UK sits in quite a special place when it comes to you know, the, ex the expertise and excellence that we have in our, in our financial services uh, industry and also the unique connection that the UK has with China given um, many of our financial institutions have a long history of working with China. Um, HSBC has a huge presence in, in Hong Kong and is actually um, the largest foreign uh, bank in, in, in China. So, um, so I think there's a very sort of unique relationship between the UK and China on the financial services side of things. Um, but it's just one of our key, key industries and you have the City of London that sits at the heart of that um, and everything that, that you know, the City of London does. Um, they have a presence here in China as well. We work very closely with them. Um, we've also got connections um, like the London-Shanghai Stock Connect, yep. which... That's um, a big news uh, I read uh, like three years ago in 2019. Mm, that's right. Has there been any uh, other progress after that? Yeah, well, since then, um, there's been a number of uh, dual listings. So Chinese firms who have now uh, listed in, in London as a result of the, the Stock, stock uh, Connect. Dual I think we're up to yeah. uh, double figures now, yeah. um, which is great. So steady progress. I think there's always more we can be doing to try and encourage more Chinese firms to be making use of that. There's also um, progress on the RMB offshore trading, right? Exactly, uh, in exactly. London. Yeah. So London is now second only to Hong Kong as an offshore trading hub for international uh, RMB. Yeah, for mm. RMB bonds. Mm. And uh, let's talk about London's position mm -hmm. as the international financial hub, but because during the very long, prolonged Brexit process, mm -hmm. there were talks saying like, Frankfurt or Paris could take mm. over the place of London as uh, Europe's financial centre, the world financial centre. Mm. I mean, it seems that London has done quite well after Brexit. It is retaining its global financial centre status. Yeah, there's been a, a somewhat of a sort of repositioning that's had to take place because certain, certain things that you could do whilst London was in the EU, you can no longer do. And so bits have maybe moved to Frankfurt and parts of, of mainland Europe, but still replicating London is, is, is impossible. You know, there's a lot of unique characteristics about London that will always remain those characteristics. And, and I think it's, I've been sort of, I've personally been pleasantly surprised at how the UK financial services industry has, has weathered that transition. Um, and I think there's a lot of advantages that come from um, the UK being now sort of outside of the EU. What kind of corporation areas can you think of in such area? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, UK banks bring a lot of excellence in terms of personal finance and, and wealth management. And I think um, and that's an area where if an individual is doing their financial planning in terms of their wealth management for, the, for their own personal finances and looking to the future, looking towards retirement, looking towards you know, pensions, there's a lot of um, UK institutions that I think could bring a lot of value to that aspect um, here in China where um, you know, people obviously um, perhaps in the past would, would see sort of real estate as being you know the sort of pension pot that you'd invest into um, and obviously real estate now is perhaps going through a new phase and there's, there's alternatives that people need to be looking at in terms of securing their financial future um, in terms of pensions and retirement so you know there's areas that, that I think the UK can bring expertise um, which will add a lot of value to to what China is now doing in terms of its entrance into its next phase in, in, of, of Chinese development. How would uh, private finance experiences in the UK you know, find solutions for this? Large mm. scale, but still tailored 
very personal services? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question because I think there's different sort of banking products that suit different types of customers. And so you have the, you know, say high net worth individuals who, who perhaps want more wealth management type products and, and investing in equities and different types of things. Um, whereas you have other customers who just want very simple personal finance accounts. Um, so, you know, I think for, for banks, and in some cases you have banks that are able to create case for all different groups in one go and sort of tailor their products accordingly, or you have some that specialize in one group and, and, and one in another. So, you know, I think there's a lot that UK banks are doing that, you know, Chinese banks can learn from, but actually a lot that's happening in China that UK banks can learn from too, especially in, in digital payments and, and all the fintech side of things. I mean, the UK is... Um, when you look at the number of unicorns that exist in the UK, the UK has more unicorns, tech unicorns, than France and Germany combined. And of those tech unicorns, a very large number of them are in fintech. So actually, this sort of long history I talk about of UK financial services is now evolving into the sort of the digital age. And there's a lot of new players that are coming through in, in the fintech space that are doing a lot of quite exciting things, in particular in, um, in that sort of... Uh, personal banking side of things. If I could delve a little bit further, talking about the digital payment of fintech you mentioned, mm. in China you must be very customized, be very familiar with the digital payment, you know, with the phone, scanning QR code, do payment on Alipay and WeChat Pay, or some shops, groceries even offer, you know, face payment, mm. you just scan your face and it's already paid, don't need a phone, mm. or people pay with their <laughs> watches mm -hmm. i mean you must be doing this in china but it seems around the world in some industrialized countries people don't want that yeah i mean i think look at it this way right my my, my pockets are increasingly empty uh, um, all i really carry these these days is just a phone um, so even, you've got used to it in china i'm very much used to it in no china. problem in china I, I even don't have keys for my house it's just a thumbprint um, or a scanner QR for my office or, or whatever it might be. Oh, yeah, those smart locks sometimes even can scan your yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. all digital. Yeah. If, I, if I go to the gym, it scans my face, you go in. So I think, you know, that's the sort of uh, environment that, that's been developed here and people are very receptive of that and accepting of that and it's, it's, it's proliferated at, at quite a, a fast speed. But I think that's also because the technology is very much available here uh, in terms of there's a lot of very affordable technology that people can implement, whether it's a gym, whether it's an office building, whether it's someone on their front door. Um, I think perhaps in, in the UK, in the EU, um, there's a sort of, there isn't that availability of the technology at such affordable Come on, prices. you just said that the UK is leading in Europe in fintech technologies. <laughs> there are more unicorns than anywhere else. I yeah, mean, but it's more about sort of Is the it about the technology or the mindsets, you know, people... It's a combination, I think, of both. Okay, it's I think, mentality I think, so towards... Pe people are a bit more... Trading their private information. Their personal identity, exactly, yeah. People are more careful about giving up that side of their, their personal identity. In exchange identity. for yeah. convenience, so there's such, still such a worries in the public. Yeah, but then I think the technology thing is also important because um, in China there's, there's a bit more comfort with bringing technology into processes in terms of, for example, at, at a gym, you know, bringing in a face scanner, um, the company will be, be more comfortable with the idea of investing into that and, and setting that up and their customers will be more receptive of it. So it's kind of the two-sided thing. Um, and it's a bit like with digital payments, you know, where the speed with which China's gone from cash to QR code, um, you know, there's, there's, it's a two-sided thing. The customer wants the convenience, but the business is also bringing the technology out in, in, at quite a rapid speed. 
So, um, so I think it's been incredibly successful in, in China. Can the UK and other countries replicate that sort of similar success? Maybe with time, um, but there will be things that, 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 that people, there's hesitancy that I think will always be there uh, with going as far perhaps as, as, as China has gone. And that's, you know, in some ways, you know, for good reason, because people want assurances that their personal data, their personal information is not ending up in the wrong hands or, or being abused in some way. Because um, if someone gets hold of your, you know, retina scan and, and they're using that for, for nefarious purposes, that, that might be, you know, as a concern. But, um, but I think that's also something that, you know, technology providers can develop solutions for at, over time. Known as paradise on earth, Hangzhou in East China boasts beautiful natural scenery, rich history, and a fast-growing economy. Is now the host city of the 19th Asian Games. 40 sports, 481 events, 56 venues, 16 days. The Asian Games have come to China for the third time. Join us for our special coverage of the largest sports meet of a dynamic Asia, September 23rd to October the 8th on CGTN. The monumental alliance between China and the UK presents a tipstry of remarkable prospects, enriching both nations with a symphony of opportunities. In 2022, China became the UK's third largest trading partner, with bilateral trade reaching 689 billion yuan, which is a significant increase of 20.5% on year. Among the UK's top three trading partners, China accounted for 9.3% of trade in 2022. In addition to this, more and more British companies are actively participating in Chinese trade fairs to seek development opportunities. This year, there were around 440 exhibitors at CIFTES, with a delegation of around 60 UK companies attending the event. From January to July, UK direct investment in the Chinese mainland increased by 160% year year. What opportunities do you see when you, to, when you talk to British companies and they ask about the China opportunities, uh, what would you tell them? Well, I've, I would say, you know, the UK, again, in the service industry, we excel in a lot of, in a very wide range of areas. And I think China's market is becoming increasingly sophisticated and so therefore increasingly compatible for an economy like the UK in terms of bringing in niche services, bringing in the sorts of expertise that, that UK companies can bring to the table, whether that's in areas like infrastructure and con construction, whether that's in areas like the green transition, um, or it's in areas like professional services, so legal services, accounting services, etc. So there's a lot of complementarity between uh, the Chinese economy and, the, and, and its sort of increasing sophistication and the services that the UK uh, provides. Let's move on to other topic, okay. which is also a global concern, climate change. In Beijing, we had some extreme weather conditions, flooding. Mm. And um, what about UK? Has UK undergone some extreme weather conditions in the past one, two years? Yeah, I think you know the UK um, and Europe in general has been through um, some you know extreme weather conditions. Um, there's been sort of fires in in, in parts of wildfires, Europe, as wildfires, yeah. and, and and so forth. And it's certainly um, something which people are more conscious of these days. Is the sort of 
the, the change in temperatures and, and the effect that might be having on, on the climate. But does the British government pay attention to climate change and come out with uh, any solutions? Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, the UK has set 2050 as its goal for uh, being zero, zero car, uh, carbon free. Um, uh, China, carbon neutrality. Yeah. Carbon, uh, so, yeah, China has uh, set its goal as 2060. Yeah. Um, so both countries are working in, in the same sort of direction. Um, and I think now, you know, there's a role that business will play in sort of working towards achieving those goals. Um, so I think, you know, everyone's very much focused on, on how that can be, you know, how we can accomplish that sort of transition away from using fossil fuels and into renewables. And obviously, China has been at the forefront of developing new technologies that are being used all around the world, um, whether that's wind, wind technology, whether that's solar. Um, and actually, you know, the UK on the, on the wind side is, is one of the largest developers of, of wind farms uh, in the world. Oh. So I think if, if you on look at the... On land or in the ocean? Uh, offshore. Offshore, okay. Offshore. So if you look at the top three largest offshore wind farms in the world, they're all in the UK. Uh, which part? Uh, so off the coast of, 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 the, of, well, the east coast of the UK. Yeah. Like so Sussex. Yeah, so off the coast of uh, like Humberside, off the coast of Scotland, uh, the North Sea. So, all surrounding um, the, the England island? Yeah, all, all up that sort of coast. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, the UK for many years has developed offshore uh, capabilities for its oil and gas industry. Yes. That it's Shell, now able yeah. to... <laughs> British well, oil, yeah. Yeah, BP and, and, and Shell British and others. Yeah. Um, but they're now able to sort of transfer the knowledge they've acquired from the offshore oil and gas industry into offshore wind. Yeah. And that's helped to sort of accelerate I, the speed. I do have a memory of the strong wind. You know, when I well, yeah, exactly. visited those coast uh, areas. Exactly. You know, there's a, there's a statue of Angel. Yes. The Angel statue. So windy. I mean, right. it would not be right not to put those uh, wind farms there. You that's know, the, uh, the, the Angel of the North. Yeah, in the Newcastle. Angel of the North, Newcastle, um, yes. Yeah, Perfect and, place to install wind farms. Absolutely. And, yeah. and Scotland, you know, the way it's positioned um, with the Atlantic Ocean is just sort of a, sucks in all the wind, <laughs> which is why when you go to Scotland, it can always be very windy. It's very natural to mm. uh, develop a wind uh, mm. uh, energy industry there. And yes. uh, the, the final question would be about the Belt and Road Initiative. It's been 10 years mm -hmm. and China's been uh, trying to promote this with mm -hmm. uh, developing countries, with uh, industrialized Com, uh, countries too, uh, such as the UK, which is, has a very good expertise mm -hmm. in architecture, in engineering, mm -hmm. in construction. So uh, is the UK willing to participate or ha has it already participated in, the, in this uh, initiative and uh, started construction projects in some third-party countries? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think the UK service sector has been providing services to Chinese companies who've been investing in the BRI countries for, for, for many years. Ah. Um, and so that, that could be, you know, accounting services, project management services, construction consulting, engineering consulting, uh, banking services even. So, you know, I'd say the participation rate of UK firms in, in what Chinese companies have been doing in, along the BRI um, is, is, is relatively high um, and has been actually you know, the case even prior to the existence of the BRI. It's just that the UK, UK professional services industry um, is a global industry um, and, um, and is really, you know, one of, our, one of the strong points of, of, of the UK economy. Um, so, 
yeah, I think there's um, examples in, in, in legal services, for example, where, you know, if a Chinese business is looking to invest into, say, the Middle East, and they're looking for um, lawyers who are experienced in providing, you know, the types of legal services that, that they require, then, you know, UK services are, are well positioned to, to support that type of activity. China, as uh, just like the UK, mm. would love to have a peaceful uh, global environment mm. and uh, very stable economic policies. May I talking with you? Likewise. Thank you so a much, real pleasure. Mr. Simpson.